and we're talking about hospitality, and we're going through the, you know, a lot of this is the, the meals. This is like, what, the seventh meal or so that we've talked about. Um, we, we make fun of Church of God people because they like to eat, but that's about as biblical as you can get. When the rapture comes, the first thing we're going to do is eat. Come on. It's going to be good. So today I want to preach on this thought, the, the family meal. This is the big one. This is the Last Supper. And Jesus is gathered with his 12. So let's read the scripture from Luke 22, verse 7. And let's follow along. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover, say Passover, must be killed, killed. Something's going to die on the Passover. It's going to be a lamb, the lamb of God. Come on. And he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may. Mm -hmm. When the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Then he said to them, with fervent desire. The Greek there is very strong. I have desire. With, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Wow. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. I guess that means we're in the kingdom now. So then he took the cup and uh, gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I'll not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broken and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. I hate it when that happens. And truly, the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And Judas is getting a little nervous right now. Then they began to question among themselves which of them it was who would do this thing. Now, none of them thought it's, it can't be me, so it must be. There was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. So on one hand, they're thinking, which one of us is going to betray him, but which one of us is the greatest? Nothing has changed in church in 2,000 years. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called, quote, benefactors. But not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. You're the greater. I'm the lesser. How many know he's blowing their minds at this point? But you are those who have contended with me in my trials, and I bestow upon you a kingdom just as my Father bestowed one upon me. God is bestowing the kingdom on us. So you remember, because I want to get to something called the tipping point that changes everything. And we actually talked about this before COVID. I don't remember exactly what it was, several months before COVID. 
we were at 2019, and we were preaching that series on canoeing in the mountains. And I said that Lewis and Clark figured, how many know we all get in trouble when we figure? They figured that they would be able to get in their boat and sail all the way to the Pacific Ocean. Right? Why not? Until they got to something called the Rocky Mountains. And they realized they had to get out of their boat. And in other words, every, they had to change their strategy. And, and now they had to do the rest of the trip on horses. And they had to get help from people they didn't know and didn't trust. In other words, they had trained for this. Everything they had trained for, everything they had worked for, everything they had learned about this, everything they had done to get ready for this, they suddenly realized that none of that was going to get them there. And when COVID hit and everything crashed, the Lord reminded me. <laughs> he said, Bruce, everything you've learned so far, throw it out the window. It's not going to do you any good. Because you are now in Rocky Mountains and you're not in a boat. And you're going to have to figure out what the next step is, not only about COVID, but it had switched the world. How many know we seem to be living in a different kind of world? And how many know there's people that would love to go back to COVID? How many know they really would like to get back to a one-world government? How many know that they're trying to get rid of the money supply and to go all digital? By the way, they just signed into law something that... Uh, my advice is get your money out of the banks. They signed a law where they're digitizing banks, and it's really... Remember in Canada when the, when the truckers went on strike and they froze their accounts? Now they can do that here. You do something they don't like, they could just freeze your money. Hello, Antichrist. The altars are open if you want to come pray. Everything is changing very rapidly Church, we have got to start being real because fake church and entertainment church and fun church or whatever you want to call it is not going to get it done anymore. Come on now, come on now, come on now. So let's look at the points here. Out on me. Get to this tipping point in a moment. This is very important that you get this. Please don't check out on me. Point number one, Jesus really wants to eat with us. He really wants to dine with us. Come and dine, the master calleth. Come and dine. Ah. He says in the book of Revelation, I'm knocking. And if you'll open the door, I'll come in and sup with you. There's dinner and supper. We got two out of three already. He met with the disciples after the resurrection for breakfast on the beach. That's not in Luke, so I'm not going to preach that one. But if I were in John, we'd preach... Breakfast on the beach. Amen. So he's got all this, and he really desires. Verse 15 in the Passion Translation, I want to go back to some of these verses. I have longed with passion and desire to eat this Passover lamb with you before I endure my sufferings. He knew what was coming, and he valued that time with him. It should blow your mind that the Son of God Wants to be with you. How many people over you really want to be around you rather than just use you to get done what they want done? Am I, am I speaking to anybody's situation? But this is the King of kings. This is the Lord of lords. And he wants to sit at your dinner table. 
Oh, that ought to blow your mind. If it doesn't, you're, you're not saved. Okay. Point number two, you need to understand this meal, this meal, say this meal, this is the real deal. This is the real meal. Let's refresh your memory, some of these verses, verse 21 uh, in the Passion Translation. But I want you to know that the hands of the one who delivers me to be the sacrifice are with mine on the table this very moment. Does it get any realer than that? Verse 23, the apostle questioned among themselves which one of them was about to do this. They bickered over which one of them would be considered the greatest in the kingdom, right? Jesus interrupted their argument saying, the kings and men of authority in this world rule oppressively over their subjects claiming that they do it for the good of the people. (laughs) Hello, politicians. Chicken in every pot. They are obsessed with how others See, but this is not your calling. Say, that's not my calling. You will lead by a different model. The greatest among you will live as one called to serve others without honor. Without, it's not about you getting honor. Now, you should honor them, but it's not, that's not what you're about. People who seek honor probably do it because there's not much to honor. All right, moving on. The greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one who has a servant heart. What is going on here? Do you think the disciples even got this? Do you think Journey Life Center even gets this? This is the real deal. Sometimes we have to eat with people we don't like, maybe even eat with and serve with and work with people who want to kill us. But he prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. Does that, that scripture, I believe, applies to the Last Supper. Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of my. So that brings us to a thought here about meals. Because there's different kind of meal atmospheres. There's, there's the meal where you invite someone over to your house. That's good, that's wonderful, but that has, that has a, a, a very kind of different uh, feel to it because you're invited over just for one meal, and, and you're the outsider among that family, right? They've got inside jokes that you don't understand. The whole meal is on their terms, not your terms. They choose the food. They choose the time. They, they choose where you sit. Everything's about what they want. And after it's all over, they stay there and you go home. I think that's a type of church where certain people are in charge and you do what you're told. You just come in. We invite you in. You sit. You do what we tell you to do. Pay your tithes and go home. For a lot of people, church is something that they're just invited to. It's something they do on Sunday morning, and they feel like a guest or a visitor in God's house. And we appreciate you, we love you, we invite you, but how many know that's not the meal we're talking about? We're not talking about it just inviting someone on once a week to a meal. Let's get together once a week. No, that's not the kind of meals we're talking about. And then I came across a pastor writing in a book, and he said, no, 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 no. The kind of, if we're talking about a meal, here's the, here's the example. Church is like a restaurant. You're a, a special guest. 
you kind of get to choose where, you, you know, you can tell them where you want to sit, by the way. You know that, right? Gloria is very specific about where she doesn't want to sit. I won't go into it. But you get your own table. You're not sitting with strangers, but a stranger is serving you. You get to pick your food. You set your own schedule. You choose when you come and when you, lo- when you leave. You get to pick who you eat with. Sounds pretty good. He actually said that's the model for the church. Then I thought, no, no, wait a minute. The goal of that meal is to entertain. There are churches, their sole objective is to make you comfortable. We're going we're gonna to make sure that we meet at a time convenient for all of you. And if you don't like it, you stay home that day. You don't like the music? Sit out in the hallway. It's all about you. And these churches are running thousands. Kind of reminds me of Jesus when he fed them. You know, you got the church of, we appreciate Jesus because he feeds us. There's thousands in there. Amen. If you just let people have their way and let them know we're here to entertain you and let them know that whatever you want, we're going to try to get it to you. By the way, that's why 1,500 pastors a month are resigning because that will drive you crazy. Because I don't know about you, but I think all of you have a different idea of church. And if I'm here just to please you, that's going to drive me crazy eventually. Amen? And I'm probably going to fail. But that was the model. He actually said, that's church. You can draw huge crowds, but you're probably not discipling too many. Because when Jesus said, here, I'll feed you, but it's my flesh and my blood, sayonara. I learned that in Japan. How many know that's not the model? So what is the model? The model is the family meal, where you're not just inviting people over occasionally, but it's those people you eat with three times a day. Of course, now it might be once a week, whatever. But the family meal, and that's what the 13 people are doing here. This is family meal, and that means things get real. Oh, don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. At the family meal, you, you, could, you say things that you wouldn't say if there was a guest there. Families don't always get along. Oh, don't act like. And you sit at the table, and the kids are rambunctious. They won't eat their food, and you're fussing, and, and it's like, oh, get this meal over with. Serving God is real. It can get dirty. It can get rough. But I'd rather be real. I, it's crazy. These churches running 10,000, they say, hello, family. That's a big family. And I'm not against churches running 10,000. They have their purpose. They do their thing. I'm not here to criticize or tear down. I'm, I'm just here to tell you we really need to be family. And, and sometimes that's, that's best discovered in, in small groups as well as the large group, but we need to be. Some people say, our church, you know, families don't act like that. No, no, that's exactly how families act. We don't always get along. How many love everybody here? Oh, you didn't even look around. You didn't even, you just, oh, I love everybody. Yeah, whatever. This is Jesus' last meal. He said, I just, oh, I just can't wait. I just passionately, I want to meet. I want to get with you guys. I, I love you. What are you two doing over there? Well, he said he was greater. I'm greater. I'm more important. I, my, my throne's going to be bigger than. 
And then you realize that one of them sitting at the table is going to turn on you and stab you in the back. And it's really weird because back then you don't have separate meals. You know, everyone's got their own plate. All the bread and all, all the wine would be in one thing. And the bread and, and the whole Passover meal, it's all on, you know, the lamb is one lamb and you just pass it around. You re- and This is weird. But they didn't invent the fork until the Middle Ages. Give me that leg. Well, that's a turkey. Leg of lamb. So he said, when he said the one who dips his hand, they were all dipping their hands. They were all digging in. They shared this. It, it was communal. It was, it was family. And, and church, we, we need to get to the point where we can love each other warts and all. We love each other because we have one thing in common. Jesus loves us. We have one thing in common. The same blood in you is the same blood in me. I don't care about your age or your color or even if you believe a little different than me. If we love Jesus, we got the same blood. <sighs> and we drink the same blood and we drink and we eat the same body. We're together because we're brothers and sisters even if we don't get along sometimes. But in the midst of them arguing over who's the greatest and one at the table who was going to sell him out, I mean big time sell him out, not just talk behind his back, but literally turn him over to die. In the middle of all that, he still wanted to meet with them. He still loved them. And here's the tipping point. Here's what I want you to get. If you've been sleeping, now's the the time to wait. This meal is the tipping point. Let's look at it. Luke 22 Verse 25, watch this. And, and, and I mean to say this because before COVID hit, the Holy Spirit laid the Last Supper on my heart. And he said, a great darkness is coming, great change is coming. By the way, it was 2020. <laughs> this is the year of vision. No one saw COVID coming. I don't know how many preachers said, this is the year of vision in 2019. This is the year of vision. You ain't seeing it. But the Lord told us darkness was coming. And we preached that message because I knew that we needed to make a turn and a change. A lot of us have turned. Some of you are still wandering down the wrong path. But we, we, have, we have got to start being the church every day of the week and being family to each other, even if that means fussing at each other once in a while. But watch this. Jesus interrupted their all, right? And he said the kings and authorities claiming their Okay, next verse. We read it. But this is not your calling. It's not about leading the way the world leads and ministering the way the world does it. We've got to turn. You will lead by a different model. The greatest one among you will live as one called to others without honor. The greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one who has a what? A servant's heart. Verse 27. The leaders who are served are the most important in your eyes, but in the kingdom it is, it is a servant who leads. Am I not here with you as one who serves? I, 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 I missed, there was supposed to be another verse there, but remember the verse where Jesus says, I give you a new, say new, a new commandment. Wait a minute. How many know that's important? That's the tipping point. A new commandment? We have 12? Moses gave, what, Moses messed up? 
Not only that, but the Jews had the Torah. And the Torah had like 650 rules, literally. They had all kinds of laws. But he said, I'm, I'm tossing that all aside, uh, sort of. And he says, I'm giving you a new covenant. Now, the first man loved the Lord your God with all you. That still stands. But as far, this is all about how we treat each other and how we treat people out there in the world. A new command. This is how we're going to do it. I'm giving you a new commandment. Moses didn't have it. Nobody's had it, but I'm going to give it to you right now. And here it is. And they stopped arguing for a minute. He said, here's the new commandment. I want you to love each other. Uh, We got that one. Right? Love the Lord your God with all your mind uh, and love your neighbor as. Yeah, we got it. That's not a new commandment. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Back up here. I want you to love one another as I have loved you. That's new. That changes everything. John 3.16. Now, I want you to get this. And at some point, we're going to get into a new series, and I'm going to preach on Romans chapter 7. Yeah, three of you have read that. <laughs> so what's in Romans 7? But I want you to get this because he's not saying that to put you on a guilt trip. He's not because it is an impossible standard. You want us to love each other like you love us? I mean, you're going to be frustrated every day. You're never going to meet that goal in your flesh. As hard as you try, it ain't going to happen. And, you know, and by the way, this applies to a lot of things, and this is why, this is why I don't preach a lot of sermons that, that just heap a bunch of guilt on you. Y'all aren't living to this standard. Y'all aren't living. Okay, I get it. We'll preach the word. But here's the thing. You're never going to get there in your flesh. The old man, y'all know who the old man is? Not your husband. The inner man in you, the old man in you is always going to fail. I could preach an hour there, and I will, but I can't this morning. The old man's going to fail. So what is, why is Jesus putting this on us? He's not saying, okay, you really need to work at this, guys. I want you to start loving each other as I love you. Since that's impossible, what is he saying? What he's saying is, watch this, I have loved you in such a way that it is now possible for you to do it in your spirit, man. If you walk in the spirit, You can actually do this because it's not you doing it. It's him doing it. Thank Lord, thank you for 12 people who got that. Bless them, Lord. Let them walk in the spirit. Hallelujah. Now, now John, are you okay? I'm going over my time, but there's too much here. I got to go a little bit longer. You okay? Okay. Now, now, Luke doesn't get into this. He, he, set, he tells us that we need to be a servant, that the greater, that the, the greater, this is crazy. He said the one at the table is the greater, but that's the one I want you to serve. In other words, my God, the, the prostitute out there in the street is considered the greater, <laughs> that she deserves your undivided love and attention You're not better or greater than her. 
You're called to serve her. Tipping point. Everything, the disciples didn't get it maybe any more than you getting it. But it was the tipping point. And John illustrates it. You remember how? He starts washing their feet. He starts washing their feet. By the way, that's, that's the job of the person. When you, when you first come into the house, this is after the meal. They had stinky feet all through the meal. And by the way, back then, you walked through a lot of, it happens. Amen? Like the snowman said, slush happens. Talking about a snowman. Say amen anyway. Say, thank God we got a crazy pastor. And it would be the job of the lowest position in the house. The cook wouldn't do it. The person who cleaned the house wouldn't do it. It would be the person probably who worked in the stables. It would be the very the person at the very bottom of the household, the least of the household. It was his job to wash everyone else's feet. And here comes Jesus. And he said he took off something and put on something. Reminds me of King David. You, you, listen, you got to put off your regal robes. You got to put off, oh, I'm this and I'm that. Take off your titles. Take off your sense of self importance. Take off your history. Take off who you think you are. Take off who everyone else thinks you're so wonderful. Take off the robe. Take off the pretty stuff. You spend money on the stuff people see. I'm not going to say anything else about the rest of the stuff you wear. But he took off his robe and put on a towel. Reminds me of King David. He took off his, priest, his kingly robes and he put on the priestly robes. He said, I'm, I'm king, but I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve. And, of course, Peter says, you ain't washing my feet. This is not right. You are messing with the social order. This is not cool. And Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you have nothing to do with me. And Peter said, give me a nesty plunge. Y'all remember that commercial? <laughs> You're old. <laughs> Wash me all over. And she said, you don't need to be washed. You're already clean except your feet. Well, I'm saved. I never said. No, no. The, well, why feet? Because the feet are, the, is the, is, your feet are, is our, your foot is the one thing. I know I got that right. Feet are earth. And I don't care how careful you are at the end of the day, your feet have picked up someone else's sticky gum. It happens. So he says, I want you to wash one another's. In the Old Testament, the priest would wash his own feet. But Jesus now says, I want, uh, and he would wash his hands and his feet. But here Jesus just says, wash one another. See, tipping point. Wash one another's feet. But why not the hands? Watch this. Because if I come down here and I start washing his feet, when I come up, my hands are clean. Church of God preachers are always preaching this. This is just to make you humble. Well, it's humbling. But that's not really the purpose. I believe there's a sacrament here. There's something holy here. And, and here it is. When we love one, love covers a multitude of sins. There's something powerful that happens when we love one another, when we care for one another, when we wash one another's feet, when we serve each other. I'm not here. I'm not one of those pastors who has to be carried in. Oh, high and mighty pastor. Amen? 
We need to have a service. That doesn't mean I don't lead. Doesn't mean, you know, doesn't mean there's not a kind of a chain of command or whatever. There's things God speaks to the head. I understand the body. We all have a function, but ultimately the function is to serve. To serve. I hope I've done that for 47 years. I hope I've, I hope you see that and feel that. I hope so. I don't know, but I hope so. I've failed many times. I'm just like you. I get in my own head. We think we're something every once in a while. But how many know there's always something to take you down? Amen. Foot washing is like forgiving sins. Serving one another puts us on mission. Serving one another covers, washes sins away. It's why God only blesses unity, because there can't be unity until there's a problem with that. There's another. I'm not saying it's because this church has a problem with that. There's not like, oh, pastor thinks there must be a secret fight going on somewhere. No, there's nothing. No one's fussing at anyone that I know of. And if you are, please don't tell me. I don't care. Work it out. You know what the Bible says. Come on, hallelujah. I'm too old for that. No. Love is not just a cute little thing we talk about. Love sanctifies the body. Love brings unity. Love brings the anointing. Love erases sin in the body of Christ. Oh, this, this is too powerful. Anybody getting this? Anybody getting this? My God. My God, my God, my God. A new commandment. Say a new commandment. A new commandment. It's not just about loving people, but loving the way Jesus loves them. If the worship team will come. And then Jesus says something in Luke 22. Can I read just a couple more verses, verse 15 and 16? Then he told him, right, I've longed with passion and desire to eat this. But then he says, I promise you, I promise you that the next time we eat this, this Passover meal, the next time we eat this, we will be together in the banquet of God's kingdom realm. <laughs> Now, 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 a lot of people think, okay, that's talking about heaven and the great ban- it, it might. It probably does. How many know that all Scripture has layers? And the very day he rose from the dead, we'll talk about it next week a little bit. The very, the very day of his resurrection, he walks through the wall, right? And he comes into his disciples, and they're like, and he said, you know, put your hands in my, he had the scars, I heard this on a song coming over here this morning. There will be no scars in heaven but Jesus. I said there will be no scars, no emotional scars, no physical scars, no scars from the past. It's all gone. You, you're not going to walk around heaven with a scar. But there will be some. Five. Five scars. Five, the number of grace. Jesus Five scars in heaven. In Jesus, five scars. How many believe when he rose from the dead, the scars were still there? Isn't that, that, that has to be deliberate. That has to be on purpose. For all eternity, we will see the price. And he will bear the scars.